You're listening to Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress. In this podcast, you'll hear insider tips to sidestep stress and walk into your wedding season feeling educated, confident, and empowered to discover your bridal vibe and wear it with style. Mama with a Paintbrush is an online shop filled with modern mama and baby lifestyle essentials. Owner Madison effortlessly handpicks premium baby and taut necessities that are quality products you'll love while remaining at an affordable price. She also creates personalized signs, baby announcements, and so much more to fulfill her crafty side. All right, where are my brides to be? Madison also designs gorgeous wedding signs that can be rented here in Western Washington. Don't waste time on the DIYs and stress about selling off your wedding decor after the wedding day. Madison provides you with gorgeous signs and detail at a very affordable price. You can explore more at mamawithapaintbrush.com and also stay in the loop on her Instagram and Facebook. All you have to do is search Mama with a Paintbrush. Hey everyone and happy Monday. Welcome back. Hope your week is off to a good start. Um, As you can see, we are continuing with our alterations mini series and we cannot have an alterations mini series without addressing the super important topic of the length of your wedding gown. So Dress hems may not be the most exciting topic to some of you. Honestly, I could talk about them all day, but uh, I'm going to try to keep this really concise and have this maybe even be like a mini episode for you because it's really important information for you to tuck away. But I understand it may not necessarily be on the top of your must listen to list. So maybe you can just put this in your like wedding folder or your wedding planning binder for down the road and revisit this when you need it. But today we're going to cover what the length of your dress should be because there's definitely a specific length that you want to look for and what you can expect to pay depending on the different types of hems that are out there on different gowns. Okay. So I'm assuming that you have a floor length gown as I talk through these tips. If you have a T-length gown, obviously disregard everything I'm going to say, okay? (laughs) So the first tip we're going to cover is for the length of your dress, you want to have the goal of the dress grazing the floor, okay? So what I mean by grazing the floor is it should not touch the floor and we should not see your ankles either, okay? So there's this really sweet spot in the middle where we just see your little toes peeking out when you're walking down the aisle and you should be able to zip up your dress and basically like forget that you're wearing a formal gown. So you should be able to keep your head up, look straight ahead, walk and not feel like you have to kick the dress out in front of you or look at your feet to avoid tripping on the dress, okay? If you feel like you have to look at your feet, then that means that the dress is a little bit too long. And if you can't feel that you're kicking the dress out, it might just be like an instinct that you have. Have a friend check it out for you or have your seamstress look out for that. You just want to have a really easy, effortless Um, length so you can walk effortlessly, okay? Um, I know we all want a bargain, okay? So sometimes when we think about how to save money or with alterations, we think, okay, maybe it's not that long. Like maybe I can get away with it just being a little bit too long. And I'm all for saving money where we can. Um, In fact, I just had a bride on Friday and her dress was literally like an eighth of an inch too long. And I told her, I was like, is there any way that you can get a little bit of a higher heel and then we can get away with this length? And she was like, no, I'd rather pay just 
hem the dress so I don't even have to worry about it and I don't have to worry about getting different shoes. But if you're up for that, if you're up for adding an inch or an inch and a half to your shoe height and that can make all the difference where you can graze the floor with the dress and not kick out the dress in front of you, then go for it. Totally buy the pair of shoes and then you can avoid the um, hem fees because most dresses have like at least two linings that you're going to be working with, maybe some layers of tulle, and then of course that front layer, which is like the, like, you know, main part of the dress. So you're talking about three or four layers that all need to be hemmed. So raising the length of the dress itself is mm, about a $300 alteration fee, considering all those layers that you have to work through. If you're one of those lucky girls and you have a dress that has like two layers total, then your bill will be a little bit lower. But I, I say all that to say I understand the willingness to want to avoid the hem fee. So if you can, if it's only like an inch to an inch and a half and you can like buy a pair of shoes that will take care of that for you or invest in some great wedges, then do that and avoid the hem fee. But if you're like me, you're vertically challenged. I'm like five, two, five, two and a half. Um, yeah, there's no way that I can just get like a seven inch pair of heels and <laughs> avoid getting my dress hemmed. So every formal dress that I've ever worn has had to be hemmed. So I have sympathy for you. And um, there's no shame in just getting a comfortable pair of shoes and getting that hem. Okay. So now this is where we're going to get a little technical and maybe you didn't even think that hems were this exciting, but there are some technical things you need to figure out about your wedding before committing to the length of your dress. So I want you to consider the surfaces for your wedding location. Okay, so what I mean by that is, are you going to be walking on pavement? Are you going to be walking on a hardwood floor or some flat surface or is the majority of your wedding day going to be spent outside on the grass? So why do you think I'm asking about grass? Well, grass is obviously, you know, an inch or two high. And what happens is your dress can tend to like pool around the grass. Does that make sense? Like if your dress is the perfect length on a flat surface, it's going to be a little bit too long when you're walking on the grass. So you need to kind of ask yourself, what are the important parts of your wedding that you need the hem to fit? All right. So what I mean by that is if your ceremony and the reception are both on a flat surface and then you're going to take some pictures out in the grass, then I would hem your dress to match that flat surface floor. Because for your photos, you're going to have your friends helping you, the photographer is going to help you. Um, and so you don't have to worry about necessarily walking without looking at your feet. When you're taking the pictures, that's when you can take your time and pick the dress up if you need to. You know, I wouldn't shorten the hem to match the grass. But if your whole ceremony is in the grass, if your um, reception's in the grass, then I would tell that to your seamstress and consider having the hem of your dress raised an additional half inch. And I know that sounds like a lot, but grass, I don't know. I know this is like my job now, so um, I cannot help but go to a wedding. And then when I see the bride walking down the aisle um, in grass, like she has to pick up her dress because it's too long. So 
just think of the day and like as a whole. Okay, do you have a lot of time spent in the grass or do you have most of the time spent on a flat surface? And that's going to determine like the length of your dress. I have a little like shag carpet in my shop. So brides can walk on that shag carpeting and that kind of like simulates the length of grass so that if it fits them perfectly on my, you know, flat, whatever, my basic carpeting, that's like that industrial (laughs) carpeting on my floor. Well, maybe it'll be a different story if they walk on my shag carpeting. So just consider those um, very, very specific, uh, technical specifics, I guess, with um, the surfaces of your... See, who knew this was going to be so intense? But you got to think about these things when you think about the length of your dress. Um, another thing about grass is if you have like stilettos, consider buying those... Um, I think they're called like heel protectors and you clip them on to your stilettos so your shoes become wedges and that way your stilettos don't like sink into the grass. So that's an extra tip. So you got a free alteration tip. It wasn't even an alteration, but all the fun things you find in the alterations (laughs) mini series here. Okay, so we're almost moving on past the initial length point. So the final Subpoint of length is uh, the train length. Okay, I love a good train, and a uh, part of me inside dies when a bride asks for me to like remove the train if she's not crazy about having a long train behind her and she wants me to like shorten it to match the front of the dress. I don't know. I mean, how often are you going to wear this? like formal gown that has this beautiful train like trailing behind you but I know it's their decision so I mean I let her know that it makes me sad inside but I still will gladly (laughs) even out the length of the train for her but if you do want to keep the length of your train and you're concerned about like raising the front of the dress and you know you don't want to lose the length of the train Again, communicate that with your seamstress and that's totally easily done. So typically what I do is I raise the hem in like the front third of the dress and then I ease that length back into the train. So it it basically looks like you bought the dress that way, that it's just a little bit shorter in the front, but you keep the length of that train. Now, if you are a train hater, I mean, we can still be friends, but you may want to consider having the train just a little bit, or I shouldn't call the train. You may consider having the back of your dress still be about six inches longer than the front of your dress. Honestly, it just looks graceful. And it looks a little more formal if it's a little bit longer in the back than in the front. Doesn't mean you have to carry around these like extra yards of fabric behind you, but give yourself a little extra length in the back than the front. And trust me, you'll thank me for it later. Okay. I think we covered all of the points as far as finding the perfect length goes. So you need to make sure your dress is grazing the floor, that you can walk easily with your head held high and you're not kicking the dress in front of you. Um, If you can, buy a higher pair of heels. So if it's just an inch or a half inch that will do the trick, go ahead and, and buy a higher pair of heels for yourself. Otherwise, invest in the hem. Consider your wedding surfaces. And if you'll be having a majority of your day spent on grass, make sure that your hem is raised a quarter inch to a half inch higher. So you don't have to feel the need to pick the dress up every time you walk along the grass. And, um, 
think about the train length. How long do you want it? And if you want it to stay just as long, even though you've raised the front, make sure you communicate that to your seamstress. Okay, let's move on to the different prices that are involved with different hems. So if you are a budget bride, um, honestly, even if you're not like budget conscious, you still want to know what you're going to expect to pay for alterations depending on the kind of dress that you have, right? So often I hear these really general estimates for bridal alterations and um, it's just totally not accurate because alterations totally depend upon like the specific style of your dress and what needs to be done, um, like how many hours are involved in raising the hem of your dress. So I'm not going to give you um, like specific dollar amounts because like I mentioned before in past episodes, um, I can't really give you price estimates because they're going to vary all across the country and depending on the type of area that you live in. So um Yeah, I'm just going to avoid the dollar amounts altogether, but I'm going to uh, start with maybe the least expensive type of hem and then work our way down so you know in comparison what different hems will cost compared to each other, okay? So let's start with a very simple, what we called a rolled hem, and that is when you have a simple um, chiffon dress, maybe it's made of crepe or an organza Um, The rolled hem is a very simple um, formal hem and that typically takes a a couple hours to to hem all the layers, um, maybe like two or three hours to take care of all of those layers. And it's like, kind of like your basic hem, okay? A lot of uh, bridesmaids dresses are made of these type of materials. There's not much beading involved or or any kind of beading or lace. It's just a very um, simple skirt. And you can communicate that to your seamstress, even if you're just reaching out for an estimate, make sure that you tell them um, what kind of fabric that top layer is made of. Okay. So if it's not chiffon, crepe, organza, it may be satin. A lot of these beautiful, super elegant, like very chic ball gowns that I'm imagining are made of satin. And maybe you can think of like think of the same picture in your head where oftentimes it's like a strapless ball gown or it has a really clean like sweetheart neckline and it just crisp, like totally timeless. Okay. That's what satin is. And oftentimes the, um, the bottom of a satin ball gown will have, it looks kind of stiff and very crisp. And that's because in between the satin and the lining, those two pieces are actually sewn together so that inside of it, there's a material called horsehair mesh. And it's about like it can, it's width can vary. So sometimes it's like two inches wide. It can be up to like five inches wide and it creates this like stiff outer edge of the gown. It looks so cool. And, um, if you are planning on wearing like a petticoat under your dress, um, then that horse hair mesh is going to make your dress look like it's like standing up on itself. I don't know how to explain it, but it is really the coolest look. So when you have a satin ball gown, you can't just like do a rolled hem because it's going to look really clunky because as graceful as the satin is, it's a 
pretty thick fabric, especially compared to something as delicate as chiffon or silk. So um, when you're working with satin, you can't do a basic rolled hem. So what we do as seamstresses is we open up the lining of the ball gown or the dress and we sew from the inside and then we kind of fold the dress in back, right? No, yes, right side out. (laughs) I almost said fold the dress inside out. No, you fold the dress right side out. And then once you press it, the the hem is raised, but you have the identical crisp horsehair braid, um, that really nice line along the bottom of the dress. I don't know if I just totally confused you describing that, but um, I sell that to say satin ball gowns or satin hems are more expensive than your basic chiffon hem. (laughs) So if you don't keep any of those other details that I just told you, don't worry about it. Just know that it's a little more expensive. Okay, so let's move on to lace hems. Oh my goodness. Like a majority of the dresses that I work on, I would say like, I don't know, 80% have a lace hem, maybe even more, um, 85%. And it's a beautiful trend right now, lace. I'm so glad lace is back because when I was married in um, 2012, I wanted lace so badly and it was nowhere to be found. So literally two years later, lace came on the scene and now it's everywhere. So I'm a big fan of it. It's a beautiful um, trend and it's super classic. Um you can have different floral laces or um, I'm working on a dress now that has a really pretty like leaf lace. So there's no flowers on the dress, but just really beautiful leaves. It's just awesome. So with a lace hem, that also is going to be more expensive because it's very time consuming to raise a lace hem. And there are a couple different ways to do it. Depends on the seamstress that you work with. It depends on um, how much you're willing to pay to raise the hem. So there, uh, let me explain the different ways. So the first way is if possible, depending on the style of your dress, it's great if we can raise the length of the dress at your waist. So, you know, you're going to need a specific seam right at your waist where we can open up the dress and then um, raise that length. But honestly, not a lot of dresses like current styles uh, allow us to do that. So um, that's one option is to raise the length at the waist and then nothing along the bottom is touched. Uh, The second way is to, now this may freak you out, but (laughs) um, cut along the bottom layer of lace. So oftentimes, if you look at a wedding dress, there's, you know, a pattern of lace along the bottom of the dress. So lace is all repetitive, right? Any type of lace fabric, it's just all uh, repeated stitches. So we would find some kind of repeated pattern and cut along the bottom cut it off the dress, and then pin it in place at the desired length. So let's say we're going to raise the length of your dress like four inches. So we cut off the bottom part of that lace and reposition it four inches higher. We ease it into the side, into the back of the dress so it looks seamless. And the desire is that, you know, you want it to look the way that you initially purchased the dress. Um, That isn't going to... So the bottom of the dress is going to look 
beautiful and seamless. It may interrupt some of the higher lace as you know, like you're working up the dress. I'm using my hands a lot as I'm talking and I know that you can't see my hands. So (laughs) what I'm doing isn't helping you. But say if you have lace like along your um, like the shin area or the lower leg portion of the dress and you're raising your hem, that new hemline may interrupt the lace at the bottom of the dress, but it's not going to be noticeable to any to anybody. It will barely be noticeable to you. So I explained that to my brides, but I've never had a bride say, oh no, I don't want it to look that way. You know, it's like never really a, a big deal, but I guess just something to be aware of if you want to know all the details. Okay. And the third way, this is very, very time consuming, um, but you can remove the lace. Oftentimes it's like an applique. So that means it's sewn onto the dress itself. So you remove that lace um, stitch by stitch, and then you reattach it to the new length position. So the difference between like moving the lace, those two different ways just depends on like the way that the dress is made and um, like the desire of the bride. So this week I had... I raised the length of two, well, more than two, but like two different styles of lace dresses. The first one, you know, I cut off the lace and I I reattached it. And this other dress that I was working on, I didn't have that option. So I had to remove the lace applique stitch by stitch and then, you know, place it higher on the dress. So anyways, more details than you need to know. But raising a lace hem is very, very time consuming. And so it's significantly more expensive than your like typical chiffon hem. And oftentimes it's even more expensive than a satin ball gown hem. All right. The last hem to consider is the beaded dress. Okay. Anytime there are beads involved, it's just going to be a little bit more expensive because whenever something is removed, whether that's like straps are changed, if you take in the sides, take out the sides, raise the hem, beads are going to fall off, right? So then what's our job? To put beads back on and make them look just as pretty as when you first bought the dress. So uh, beading can be so time consuming. I actually love beading because I feel like it's like super therapeutic and I just like listen to music and I really have fun with it, but that's not to say it doesn't take hours. It's just happens to be like therapeutic hours. (laughs) So, So consider all of these different styles of fabrics that you're checking out for your dress. Like absolutely buy what you love, like buy the dress that you love on you and that you feel so good in and so confident. Um, Obviously, if you are just aware of a budget, as most brides are, it's good for you to know not only how much you'll be paying to take the dress home, but also to get the dress to fit you perfectly. Sometimes it may be as much as the dress as itself, as much as the dress itself. (laughs) There we go. Or it could be like half as much as you pay for the dress you're paying for alterations. It all depends on the fabric that your seamstress is working on. So I don't want you to be up for any surprises. Hopefully this episode covered everything you need to know about the length of your dress, how it's raised, where you want it to lay on the ground, and uh, what your seamstresses need to do to get it to that perfect length for you. Um, all right. I hope this is helpful. Our next mini series episode is going to be about bustles. I'm really excited about that. 
because I love designing bustles. So anyways, little teaser for that. I'll save it for next time. I hope you have a great week as we're continuing to like move into spring and I will talk to you next week. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And if you're feeling really generous, leave a review. Thanks everyone.